Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And we are back to talk about the Golden uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, Rod. They're 8-1 and one on the year so far, 1-1 uh, and one in the conference. Uh, and they came off of coming off a huge overtime win uh, against Iowa. And their other uh, game was a blowout loss to Illinois. Um, so they haven't had it easy so far. Uh, 42 in Ken Palm. Uh, with 22 on offense, 59 on defense. Uh, uh, conversely, MSU is 11th uh, and 64th on defense. Um, so, w- what are you looking at, Rod? This this appears to be a very uh, surprise. I, w- I would say surprising Gophers team from what I've seen. They look really good. Su- surprising, mostly because of the win against Iowa. Yeah, um, their first Big Ten game. They faced Illinois in Champaign and just after a good start, I'd say a good first five to six minutes, they got run out of the gym. Mm. They got beat by, I don't know, almost 30 points. It was a blowout. So I didn't see that one. So I might be a little, I did. <laughs> and, and it was now I will say this. I thought that that game was turned. Illinois still would have won almost certainly, but it really turned. Minnesota had some success early on. In the pick and roll game, they got a couple threes from their big man, Liam, uh, Liam Robin. And, um, then he got in foul trouble and he had to sit. And at that point, they didn't really have a way to, to make Illinois pay for Kofi Coburn's inability to get out on shooters at his position. And at the other end, Coburn just destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it clearly was a point when, when Robbins went down with foul trouble. That's when the game turned and Illinois just sort of ran away from them. Uh, the Iowa win, though, look, it, impressive, but I, I will say, look at the final score, and it was overtime, but Minnesota hit triple digits. What do we say was going to be the problem with Iowa? Yeah. Defense. Defense. And that's what it was. It was defense. So while it's a big win, I don't mean to soft pedal it, Um Right now, to me, pretty clear cut. The most impressive team in the Big Ten, I think, is Wisconsin. And I'm not saying that because they just beat Michigan State. I felt that way before Michigan State played them. Um, I just think that team with its experience and the way that they're playing right now as a group, as a unit, they are the best team in the league. But um, 
nevertheless, a win over Iowa is a big one. And, you know, Minnesota's been a tough team to get a gauge on because they really haven't played anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you look at, if you look at the, um, it's like the, Green uh, Bay, they won two against Loyola Marymount. They won against North Dakota, then Boston College in overtime they won. Uh, yeah. UMKC. The, the Boston College game, I think, was troubling. I watched some of that. And, you know, Boston College has had kind of an interesting start to their season. They've had some good moments, and maybe they were a little better than people were giving them credit for. But still, that was a game that I thought Minnesota might win a little more easily than they did. They really had to struggle to win that. So that was one that kind of gave me pause. And they haven't really played anybody else until they Mm -hmm. got into Big Ten play. So I still think, I still think we're at a point where we don't yet fully know all about Minnesota. We know about some things, most particularly Marcus Carr, we're going to talk about. Um, but, uh, I don't think we know the entirety of what Minnesota is going to be yet. I'll give you a case in point. Brandon Johnson, who's yeah. a grad transfer from Western Michigan. Brandon Johnson went eight for nine from three against Iowa, including four of them in the overtime. All right. Right now on the season, he's above 50% from three. That's a really gaudy number, right? Going into that Iowa game, he was two for 10. So which is he? And he was a low 30s guy or maybe even in the high 20s at Western. So what is he? I I have a feeling he's not a 50% guy from three. But, (laughs) you know. That's that's what I mean. I, I just think they're they're a dangerous team. I certainly will go that far, um, but I'm not sure we really know yet fully what they are. I think if we if we go into the numbers in a little more detail, you mentioned 22 offense, 59 defense. So offensively, they do two things really well. They minimize turnovers. They're number 13 in the country in turnover percentage. And they get to the free throw line a lot, mm-hmm. and they hit them when they get there. They're number five in free throw attempts versus field goal attempts, and number seven in free throws is a percentage of overall scoring. So that tells you they're getting there a lot. And they're number 60 in free throw percentage as a team at 74.9%. So 75% basically, that's pretty good. Um, and especially if you're getting there a lot, that helps. So that stuff offsets their shooting from the floor, which has not been as good. Mm-hmm. They're only 31.9% from three as a team, and that's with Brandon Johnson doing what he did. <laughs> and, they're, and they're even worse. They're number 152 in two-point percentage as a group. So they're not doing much there, not much of an offensive rebounding team, pretty mediocre, number 153. So, you know, offensively, it's they don't kick the ball away. And they get fouled a lot and they cash in. That's really the strength. Um, on defense, they have one glaring issue. Uh, their defensive rebounding is really bad. They're number 280 in the country. So that should create chances for Michigan State on missed shots. Mm-hmm. Decent rim protection, number 47 in block percentage. Decent defending twos, the number 85. Decent in limiting three-point attempts, number 60. Um, so they do some things okay, but boy, that defensive rebounding really shows up as a major issue. Mm. So that's kind of a team profile. Yeah. Um, if we get into the starters, um, Marcus Carr, six, two junior, um, 
clearly looks like the best point guard in the Big Ten at this point, averaging 24.6 points a game, 48, 39, and 79 from the floor, um, and six assists versus two turnovers. Yeah, uh, almost a 3-1 assist to turnover ratio. I, I would say when I think about guys that I've seen nationally, I'd probably go with Suggs at Gonzaga, although his numbers are not more impressive. I, I do think he's probably a better talent. If you consider Cade Cunningham a point guard, I'm not sure that I do at Oklahoma State. Maybe he gets into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's guys at Baylor. There, there's a handful of guys you'd put in that discussion, but man, Marcus Carr belongs. I mean, the numbers are just tremendous, you know, um, Almost 25 points a game and six assists. So he's really, to say that he is at the, at the center of the wheel, he's the, he's the axis on which everything is turning is probably underplaying how important he is. Um, decent shooting from three, 39%, but he only takes about a third of his shots from there. So he's not three happy. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Cause he's exceptional getting to the basket. This is, of all the numbers he's got, which they're, they're very exceptional, this is the one that leapt out to me. He's averaging about eight and a half free throw attempts per game. Man. For a guard, that is phenomenal. That's a number that, and I didn't look at it. Let me just take a quick look. I want to see what Luca Garza is averaging, because he's kind of the, the standard bear right now, right? Mm-hmm. For a for a big man drawing fouls and just getting to the line a ton, um, so I want to put this into some perspective. So Luca Garza is averaging fewer free throw attempts than Marcus Carr. He is averaging not quite eight. So that should put it into perspective for you. It is rare that you see guards getting to the line for that many attempts. Because keep in mind, that's he's drawing other fouls too. He's drawing fouls presumably where he's not getting free throws. Yeah. He's just putting guys in foul trouble. Yeah, so he's a major in the country in fouls drawn. He's fourth in the country? Forty fourth. Forty fourth. I'm surprised it's that low. Um but it, that that's an amazing number to me and that's a real key to his game. Because if you put that together with the fact that he's a solid three point shooter he gets to the line a ton and he converts 79%, and then he's 48% on his twos. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's something else. He's a guy, and we saw this coming last year. He was very good last year. You Turu were a great two-man combination, and it was really only that they didn't have enough support from teammates and the depth of the Big Ten that kept them from being a really, really tough team. Um Boy, if he'd gotten in, you know, because he transferred in the year before where they had that NCAA tournament team. And that team's one, the team that MSU beat in the second round, mm-hmm. uh, kind of blew out in the, in the tournament. Um, that team's one glaring need was a point guard. If he was sitting out, if he'd gotten a waiver and played that year, I, that team could have been right at MSU's level, mm-hmm. I think. That's how much of a difference maker he would have been. And now two years later, you're seeing a guy that I'll say this. I know he's only a junior. If this guy isn't BA after this season, I I don't know what I don't know what else he's got to prove mm-hmm. because nothing else is going to change. He's not going to get any taller. He's already quick. He's got yeah. I mean he's got all the all the tools I think to be a pro. Um, and at this level, 
And he's shown yeah. leadership this year and like the ability to make clutch shots, uh, yep. but really leadership. You, you see him getting into other teammates and stuff when yeah, they're not doing it. I agree. I agree. When I've seen them, uh, that's that's something that's been noticeable. And, hey, that's what you need. I mean, right now, look, if we're being honest, Michigan State does not have that. You know, Cassius Winston wasn't the most demonstrative leader either. But I think he was a guy who, by virtue of the way he played, led. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a guy that was always going to step up when Michigan State needed him in a big moment, you know. Um this year, we don't yet have that, and that's been sort of an issue, right? Yeah. So not the biggest issue, but it's been there. Um, Minnesota does not have that problem. And, you know, I said it at the start of the year, and I still believe it. Marcus Carr gives them a shot in any game because he can carry them. And then it comes down to do they get enough from their other guys? Um, so far, it's been pretty positive on that front, but we got a long way to go, and I think a lot of proving to do with the rest of that lineup. But him, there's no proving left to do. He's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Gabe Kalshier, uh, 6'4 junior, averaging 9.4 points a game, 28 from the floor, 19 from three, and 92 from the line. Yeah, and and this is where we get to the other end of it. We had said in the season preview, you know, Kalshier was really good shooting the ball as a freshman took a big drop down as a sophomore, and we said if he gets back on the beam, Minnesota's going to be better because that's really all he gives you is three-point shooting. Well, it's been really bad. And if you want to know why, despite Carr, despite Johnson's currently gaudy numbers, why the team is still shooting under 32% from three, a big part of that is Kalsher because he takes a lot of them and he's been horrible. Yeah. Now, the scary thing if you're MSU is he's been so bad that you figure just law of averages, he's got to break out. You just don't want it to come against you. Um, but that he's had a rough year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Booth Gotch, 6'8", junior transfer from Utah, averaging 12.3 points a game, six rebounds, uh, 46 from the floor, 38 from three, 88 from the line. Yeah, and, and also better than three assists per game. Now, he also commits more than two turnovers per game, but you put all that together, this, this was a big, you know, Minnesota really hit it big in the transfer market this year. Mm-hmm. You know, transfers don't always go well. We talk about that a lot, the transfer up phenomenon, and then just, you know, guys struggling to fit in, maybe just not doing what you expected them to do. So far, you would have to say that, you know, I, I've I've criticized on this podcast Richard Patino's recruiting, his in-state recruiting in particular, that the state of Minnesota has been going through uh, its glory days really over the last over the five six years, whatever it's been that he's been seven years that he's been coached there, and yet Minnesota has gotten relatively few of those guys to stay home, and it's all fair criticism, but to be fair. He's really, it looks like he's knocked it out of the park this year with his transfers. Um, you know, we mentioned Brandon Johnson, who's started half their games. He, he isn't currently starting, but you know, huge game against Iowa. They don't win that game without him. And then you got two starters, Gock and another guy we'll talk about, Liam Robbins, who have been massive. Are their second and third leading scorers? Their top two rebounders. You know, I mean, they're getting a lot out of these guys. And and those two guys are both Minnesota kids who went elsewhere and then came back. Um, 
So, you know, better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> that they got though, but he's, he's a big deal. When, when I've seen Minnesota not look as good, like the Illinois game, Gott was disengaged. He was really bad. Dan Dockich, if I'm remembering correctly, did the color on that game. And he was all over him. And rightly so. I don't normally agree with Dan Dockich about anything, not even the color of the sky. But, uh, but he was right in this case. Scott was just really disengaged and didn't play well, didn't really do anything, and Minnesota got blown out. But you look at his numbers and you see everything that he's doing. He's shooting the ball reasonably well. He's rebounding. He's making plays for other people. Um, he can block an occasional shot. Uh, does a lot of things. So very important addition. Mm-hmm. And he's got a super quick release. Yeah, I look. You know, I look at him. I don't. I don't think that. And it may just be because he hasn't been around long enough. I don't feel that he's quite as good a player as Amir Coffee was, but when you think about it, he's giving them similar kind of production. The way that Amir Coffee could really do a bit of everything, mm-hmm. you know, and had that length, could play, you know, small ball four if he had to, but was really more of a wing. Could hit a three, could make plays for other people, could rebound, maybe block an occasional shot. You know, Gok is filling a similar role for this team. They didn't really have that last year. Yeah, they didn't yeah. have a guy that could that could do those things. So he's been a big addition. Uh, and then Isaiah Enan, six nine sophomore, averaging three point four points a game, four point seven rebounds, and a block. Thirty um, percent from the floor, twenty three from three, sixty from the line. But he starts, but he gets about 18 minutes. Yeah, and the starting is recent. I'm going with him in the starting lineup because he started the Iowa game, and I'm mm-hmm. figuring they're probably not going to change it up. He's a young guy, just a sophomore. Last year, I think, showed, especially later in the year, showed real progression and potential. They think he can be a better shooter than he's been. I think that's the big nagging thing at the moment. But, um, again, length, athleticism, you know, has averaging a block per game. He's rebounding decently. Not a strong kid, but um, in time, they think he's going to be a pretty complete, you know, like three-level scorer. Mm. And, and not quite there yet, but definitely helping with the things he does do. And Brandon Johnson might be on the road to taking over the start. He had a little bit of ankle problems, I think. True. Um, after after an eight-for-nine game, though, who knows? Uh, and then Maybe. Maybe, yeah, but I, I'm going to assume they stick with the same starting lineup, but that yeah. Johnson's going to play a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lingen Robbins, uh, six foot junior transfer from Drake, uh, seven foot, seven or seven foot. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, 12, <laughs> Big difference. 12.6 points a game, six point uh, six rebounds, two and a half blocks, forty nine from the floor, thirty eight from three, uh, and sixty nine from the line. Now he's not been a volume three point shooter. Um, I mentioned that Illinois game, you know, he hit a couple threes early that got Minnesota out to a lead, um, when Coburn just didn't get out to him. But, um, you know, this was not an area of strength for him. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I had, I had said, uh, in our, in our season preview that I thought Robbins could do some of the same things Oturu did. But that one area where there would probably be a decline um, would be three-point shooting. 
And so far, that hasn't really happened. He's actually, you know, and I'll give you an, an idea for context why I said that. His first year at Drake, he shot 23.1% from three. Then last year, he took that up to 24.4. So far, he's at 37.5, and he's averaging almost two attempts per game, 1.8. So his volume has increased. His accuracy is way up, at least early on. Hmm. Um, so that changes the equation. I already thought he'd be an important guy because I thought – he gives them size, obviously. He gives them a defensive presence. He should be able to rebound decently and give them some scoring around the rim. If you're adding to that that he's a legit three-point threat, boy, it's even it's even better still. And his numbers, you have to be very happy. You know, we, we talk about a lot, the transfer up phenomenon. One distinction with that, technically and in reality, I'll be fair, transferring from Drake to Minnesota is a step up. But at Drake, he played in the Missouri Valley Conference. And the Missouri Valley, in my opinion, year in, year out, consistently, is the best mid-major conference. If you don't consider, you know, we always, I always talk about the Power Five plus two, so it's the traditional Power Five plus um, the Big East and the American. And then I think after that, you probably would take the Atlantic 10 as the next best league. So that's eight. I would say most years the Missouri Valley's probably next. Uh-huh. They're probably ninth, and and that that and that's even after losing. You know, they lost Wichita State to the American. They lost Creighton to the Big East in recent years. They still, you know, that's the league that sent Loyola to the Final Four a couple years back. You know, they still year in year out generate pretty damn good teams, and so. Robbins, the reason it's important here is I think even though it's a transfer up, Robbins played against pretty good competition. And so what he's seen in the Big Ten is a step up, but it's not the massive step up you see with a guy transferring in from, you know, the Sun Belt or even the Mac, you know, like Brandon Johnson. Um, it, it's, it's not that. So I'm not surprised that he's been effective. I am surprised that he's shooting a three the way he is. Yeah. Uh, so then off the bench, uh, we've mentioned him already. Brandon Johnson, 6'8", uh, grad transfer from Western. Uh, started uh, four times, averaging 8.5 points a game, five and a half rebounds, uh, 48 from the floor, 53 from three, 69 from the line in about 20 minutes. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't see a lot of the Iowa game. I did see a lot of the Boston College game and the Illinois game. And Brandon Johnson was not good in either one. So I just, given just the volume of what he did against Iowa, I'm still a little suspicious about how much of an impact that's having on his overall stats. You mentioned he'd been having ankle problems. Fair enough. That might explain some of what I saw. And if he's getting healthier, you know, maybe he's better. Uh, he's a, I, I know I had said this in the season preview. I was skeptical because again, transferring from the Mac to the Big Ten, a guy who wasn't a great shooter at Western, uh, I, I was skeptical as to how well his game would translate, but that Minnesota had no choice but to play him a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happening. I do think he's going to continue to play a lot. He's a good option for them. He's experienced. Now he's had big success. In that Iowa game, can he continue? 
can he roll that into he's not going to hit eight threes every game that tied a school record <laughs> um, but can he give them punch from out there can he battle inside can he hold up defensively as a small ball foreman you know that those are the things that they need from him uh, and then Jamal Masburn Jr., six-one freshman guard, uh, 4.7 points a game, 32 from the floor, 16 from three, 79 from the line. Yeah, as we mentioned in the season preview, son of Kentucky and NBA great Jamal Mashburn Sr., um, who played for Richard Patino's father, of course, at Kentucky. Um, he's struggling with his shot, which is not necessarily a shock it happens with a lot of freshmen they need time to settle in and even guys who had reputations as shooters which he did um, but what he gives them is at least a guy who can pitch you know three or four minutes of relief when they need to rest car which is not much mm-hmm. but when they do he can play he's i think got 15 assists to five turnovers yeah, yeah. so he's not making mistakes when he's out there and he's playing alongside Carr a lot, you know, with the way Kalsher's shooting, they're in much difference right now in that department. Um, I think in time, he's going to be a good player. He looks like a player to me when I've watched him. Yeah. You know, he carries himself like a guy who belongs. Um, but obviously the shooting right now has been holding him back. Uh, and then Eric Curry, six, nine senior, um, who's battled injuries most of his career, um, but he's averaging 4.6 points a game, 2.1 rebounds, uh, 53 from the floor, 33 from three, 30 in the, uh, from the line. And he's getting about yeah. 14 minutes. Yeah. I just, I think it's a, a cool deal that he's playing because Eric Curry has embat, if you remember him from, he was on that team. He was a freshman on that team, um, that beat MSU in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and they, I think they only played once in the regular season, but the team that had Reggie Lynch. Yeah. yeah. Side. Nate Curry Mason. was on that. Yeah, exactly. Curry was on that team and he was a freshman. He was kind of an unheralded recruit. I think he's from the South. I think he's from Memphis, somewhere in there. Um, not a big name, but was instantly an impact guy. He just, he was six nine. He was athletic. He had some length. He could block shots. He could step away from the the rim and, and shoot a bit from range. He just looked like a guy that was set to really take off. And then he had, I guess it was three straight years where he's been banged up to one extent or another. And a couple of those seasons, I don't think he played at all. Mm. Um, so the fact that he's, and it's leg stuff, it's been like knee stuff, that kind of thing, or ACLs. I can't remember specifically, but I know they were very serious injuries. So the fact that he's able to play at all, I think, is great. You know, that he's getting a shot to contribute. And like you said, he's playing 14-some minutes per game. Um, so he's helping. Mm-hmm. He's not what he was when I've seen him play. He is not the game. You know, when he was a, a younger guy, he was just an athletic presence. And he's he's not quite that. But he's still got enough game and enough size, and he's gotten stronger uh, in the interim to help. And that's what he is right now. He is just providing. He started a couple games, but I don't suspect we'll probably see him starting much anymore. I think, you know, the other two guys between Inan and and Johnson, they've kind of got that four spot covered. And obviously Robbins is your five. He'll just help out backing up Robbins and maybe occasionally playing some spot minutes at the four. Uh, 
mm-hmm. but he's decent in that role. Uh, and then Trey Williams, six five sophomore, uh, who didn't play in the Iowa game, so it's sort of uncertain uh, in this. Yeah, game. you know, I looked, and again, I didn't see enough of the Iowa game to hear if they mentioned if he was out. I looked and couldn't find anything in game coverage or notes as to whether he was hurt. It's the first game he hasn't played. And um, I'm sorry, the second game he hasn't played. The other one earlier in the year, I did find notes about an injury. Um, hasn't been tremendously effective as a shooter thus far. Um, but at his best, you know, he's got good size on the wing, can defend a little bit. They think he can be a shooter in time. So we'll see if he plays or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jarvis Omersa, six seven junior, also didn't play against Iowa, but averaging just under two points a game, a little over two rebounds in ten minutes. Yeah, and he's a guy I talked about in their season preview that in that recruiting class with Oturu and Kalsher were all in-state guys. He was the third guy, and I think they thought he would be kind of an activity energy guy who would in time develop his skill set. And, and be a good option as an undersized four, but it, it's pretty clear that that's not going to happen. They've recruited over him, you know, with other guys that we've already talked about. And I think that, uh, this is basically who he is. A guy who's going to play, you know, maybe you play him for a four or five minute stretch in each half uh-huh. and you let him eat some minutes, go out, maybe crash the boards, grab a rebound or two maybe get you a bucket transition or a putback, something like that. And that's really about the max that you get out of him. He just hasn't developed, his skill set hasn't developed, I think, the way that they'd assumed it, it might. Mm-hmm. And as I said, they've, they've just recruited over him. Didn't play against Iowa. I don't think that was due to injury. Um, probably just more game circumstances. I don't know yet with this team whether whether Richard Pitino is inclined to um, to do that to kind of switch it up depending upon the opposition, but it's possible that he might have reason to play him in this one. So that's why I included it. Okay. Um, yeah, they got on. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so the five keys: um, defend without fouling. Yeah. Uh, Huge issue. We saw it in the Wisconsin game. Uh, Michigan State just simply could not avoid fouling Mm -hmm. the Badgers. Um, Even before the end where, you know, it was a foul fest. They just really struggled. And that was against a team that doesn't dribble drive as a fundamental part of their attack. They did in that game because I think, as we had talked about in the preview, (laughs) They've seen Michigan State struggle with it. They might try to do more of that, and they sure did. Demetri Trice was really tough. Well, we're going up a level, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least with Marcus Carr. Um, and and he has been a problem for everybody and is going to be a problem for Michigan State. Now, I think an interesting thought is what does Michigan State do defensively in this one? Um because you've also got to deal with Gok. You've got yeah. got Kalsher really struggling. And then you've got Gok, who's like 6'7", six, six, well, maybe 6'. I think I listed him as 6'8". He's probably more like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, mm. So I think what we might see, 
and, and I'll give credit to Jim Camperoni for this because he posted a thought and it made me change my own too. My first thought was, well, big, big test for Rocket Watts. But I think they probably will go with Aaron Henry on him. On, on Aaron on, on, on car. On car. Aaron okay. Henry on car. And then you can put Watts on Kalsher and you probably got to put Josh on Gotch just because of the size. I, I, I'd rather have Rocket in general guarding him, but I think Rocket's given up a little too much size. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kalsher's got a couple inches on Rock, but it doesn't matter because he's a three-point shooter. Yeah. So you can get away with that. I think that's how it will start. Aaron Henry gives you your best chance to at least try to slow Carr down. The downside is if Carr can get him in foul trouble, then you know, then you got a problem. But Aaron Henry's length and strength, I think, is is potentially very important in containing Carr. Because mm-hmm. um, he's the straw that stirs the drink for this team. If you can somehow keep him in check, mostly even just reduce him to being a jump shooter. If you can do that, you've got a great chance to beat Minnesota. If you don't do that, it gets tougher because he's not only scoring himself, He's getting you in foul trouble, and he's making plays for other people, and then, you know, away yeah. we away they go. Uh, and then offensive rebounding. Well, I mentioned Minnesota's really struggled with defensive rebounding this year. Um, Michigan State did okay in that regard against a very good defensive rebounding team in Wisconsin. They did okay numbers-wise against a very good defensive rebounding team in Northwestern, what they didn't do in that game is turn it in any points. They did turn it into some point production against the Badgers. They really have to exploit it here. You know, when I look at areas that might be a plus for Michigan State, this is a screaming is a big one. This is not yet a Michigan State offensive rebounding team, the likes of which we're used to. Mm -hmm. You know, we're used to them being consistently a top 10, top 20 team. They're, what did I, I had it in the notes. What are they, like 60, 62? 62. 62. Not, not great, but 62 is a lot better than 280, which is what Minnesota is on the defensive end. So you would think there is an opportunity here to really get some work done. Mm-hmm. And they need to. Uh, and then transition. So Minnesota's playing fast this year, 25th in tempo, uh, and it's yeah. mostly on the offensive end, um, 27th right. in, in offensive tempo. Yeah, um, I think this is going to be a fast game. You know, the first two games, Northwestern and Wisconsin, especially considering those are the teams you're used to, those being teams that slow it down, those were pretty fast-paced games, generally speaking. Mm. This is going to be another one. There's no pressing or anything or trapping, but Minnesota wants to play fast on offense. A lot of that is due to having Carr as the quarterback. He can get them into things quickly um, and make things happen fast. Michigan State needs to be able to get more out of its transition game than it's been getting. Um, that's just the bottom line. And so this game could be one that lends itself to that, Uh but you have to make it count. You know, again, easy baskets. This is not a great defensive team at Minnesota. At least they haven't indicated that yet. But it would sure be a lot easier dunking and getting layups 
than it would be working against the half court. Mm. So you want to see Michigan State, and then part of that comes around to defensive rebounding, how well Michigan State's controlling that end of things. Can they get into transition easily and quickly and and make Minnesota pay? That's that's going to be a key. Uh, and then turnovers. Uh, you'd mentioned it before. They're, turn, they're 12th in turnover percentage. Um, yeah, and playing fast while doing it. So, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, this is why I say the offensive rebounding is so important because I'm anticipating there's likely to be a gap mm-hmm. in turnovers. You have to hope that it's mitigated, that it's small, but I'm anticipating that there's a gap. If there's a gap there, you've got to make it up. In the off, on the offensive rebounding. Otherwise, you're getting disproportionate attempts to score for them. And that's, you know, that's just not a good equation. It needs to be pretty close. So one way to do that is by dominating the offensive glass, but the other way is limit the mistakes that you make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then efficiency at the rim. Yeah, you know, one good thing which we talked about was, especially in the first half, I thought Michigan State did a really good job of focusing on getting the ball to the blocks. You know, Joey Hauser, Malik Hall, Kithier got some play. Um, you know, Aaron Henry got a few. Marvel, Marvel got a couple. But the problem is they weren't always as efficient as they need to be at the rim. Aaron Henry is a guy in particular because he has the athleticism and the strength to just get it there against anybody mm-hmm. and wasn't really finishing at a high rate of success. That needs to change. So you can't, you know, I, I don't think it's the problem that, you know, people get so hung up on that stuff. Like, oh, the missing layups. Like, that's the biggest problem. Look, this is the number 11 offensive team in the country right now, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Number 11. So offense is not why they're struggling. Despite the turnovers, despite the inconsistent three-point shooting, despite it, you know, missing some layups, despite all of that, offensively, this team's been very, very good, believe it or not. It's the defensive end where we've seen problems, and that's why they're where they are, not offense. But that said, would I like to see them finishing at the rim with better efficiency? Yes, I would. Mm -hmm. It's mostly like the dribble drive stuff. Whether yes. it's like a floater from from Rocket or, or Henry kind of coming in and missing the lay- yes, not exactly. Layup. It's, it's not layups. It, it's more like the just it's just like half hooks, little floaters, that type of thing. Yeah, it, you're right. It's not layups or post up, you know, half hook shots. It's not that stuff. It's it's off penetration, that type of thing. Yeah, you're right. But still, you know. When you're getting to the rim, like Aaron Henry in particular, because Aaron Henry has all the tools physically to be a great finisher. Mm. He should be. And he hasn't been this year. This was not just a one-game thing. He struggled a little bit in that area, and and that could improve because then this could be an even better offensive team. Yeah, yeah. But I did just want to make that point. Number 11 in offense, I'm going to say that again. You talk about point guard problems. You talk about why is Kithier starting. He doesn't do anything. Talk about the turnovers. Talk about three-point shooting. Talk about missed layups. All of it. Number 11. Simple as that. It's not the offense, people. It's just not. Okay. Well, this one's uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow on Monday. Um, I think it's... I can't get it to come up on here. Maybe 
FS1 probably, Big Ten Network maybe. Um, yeah, I'm not sure which network, but you got the time right. It's yeah. 8 o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts on this? I mean, man, Rod, you, you hate to, would really hate to go 0-3 at this point. I know. Yeah. I, I agree. Look, I'm not big on must wins because, you know, there's 20 games and they all count one and you just look up and see where you are at the end of the year, right? But you said it. You don't want to go to 0-3. And, and you really need, mostly because I think if that happens, then there starts to become this what the hell is wrong with Michigan State narrative. Mm-hmm. And that can spiral on itself. You know, we've seen big, that happen to big name programs in recent years. You know, it happened in North Carolina last year. Now, there were reasons. They just weren't very good. Um, we're seeing it happen to Kentucky this year for sure. Um, you know, there, one of the things that comes with being the standard bearer in your league, and Michigan State has been that for the last 20 some years in the Big Ten, is if there is a sign of weakness, I saw John Calipari talk about that the other day where he said he thinks everybody in the SEC just smells blood in the water. And he's right. I'm sure he's right. Well, it would be a similar thing with Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Michigan State, I don't think this Michigan State team is anywhere near as vulnerable as that Kentucky team is. But you go to 0-3, and, and then it it really starts to become a story. And, you know, then you start probably, rightly or wrongly, even having people talking about, well, are they going to make the tournament? Mm-hmm. You know? And that would, of course, be crazy with 17 games left in the conference schedule. But, you know... It would happen. That discussion would start happening. So to avoid that, to start to avoid all that and to start feeling a little better about yourselves, you need a win. And it's a road game. Now, granted, road games don't mean nearly what they normally do. But nevertheless, you're in an unfamiliar setting. You're still playing on that stage at Minnesota, not really a basketball court. Um, so it's a little different. And you're playing against a team that's probably feeling very good about itself because they bounced back after just getting run out of the gym against mm-hmm. Illinois to beat Iowa. So they feel very good about themselves. So it, it, it all matters. And I, I do think, I'm not going to say it's a must win, but it's a boy you'd really, 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 really like to have this one mm-hmm. kind of game. Okay. Well, that'll uh, do it for the preview to Minnesota until after the game. The final four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.